Hey guys, how you doing? JP Saricolia here, and welcome to this week's episode of Age of Heroes. This is episode number 156. Thank you for the support. Thank you for taking the time. And uh, definitely, there's been a lot of news this week, and a lot of it has to do with the coronavirus pandemic that is going uh, all over the world. It's something that is affecting the economy, it's affecting the politics, it's affecting the social gatherings, the special events, entertainment, in so many different ways. And uh, I want to cover that, particularly the cancellation of E3 that was announced this week. Uh, it's a big event that is creating a lot of ripple effects uh, all over the gaming world, gaming industry. Uh, also, the, in this case, uh, Reggie uh, Fissime, that is now it's going to be part of the, the board of directors of GameStop and trying to save GameStop is a big thing. And, of course, also the big effect that has been created, uh, the big explosion that Modern Warfare has brought with Warzone. Definitely those are important news. And I want to cover all of that in this podcast. So first, I want to start with uh, Call of Duty Warzone. Uh, I've been doing a lot of live streaming in my uh, gaming channel, and I'll have the link for you for those who are watching this on YouTube. Um, and I've been having a lot of fun. Uh, I, like I said many times before, I'm not a big fan of uh, Battle Royale modes. It's not something that I don't care much about. I'm not a fan of PUBG. I'm not a fan of, uh, I don't know, any of Fortnite or any other uh, type of game that has to do with Battle Royales. It's not something that I care much about. It's, I just don't see the appeal of it. But now the Modern Warfare has released its own ver version of it. I tried it out, and I found it very engaging and very fun. It is a total different approach to the Battle Royale uh, system, it takes some of the best ideas from other battle royales and apply them into this setting, and it does work well. Um, it does have two modes. It's battle royale mode, for those that you know that, have, that haven't played it, which is classic battle royale. It's uh, king of the hill. Whoever survives, your team or you, whoever survives. So it's basic and it's simple at its at its form. So it's now it doesn't break the mold on that. And but they have a second mode, which is plunder. And I really enjoy Plunder more because there, you know, there's not like you die and you're gone. You still have the opportunity to be to come back and you have a special loadout that you choose for your weapons. And it's all about who collects the most money you're, within your team. You have to collect a bounty up to a thousand. No, I'm sorry, a million dollars. Whoever collects the first million dollars wins. Whoever team wins uh, does that, they win. And it's super, super fun. <laughs> and to be honest with you, I, you know, it's not something that it hasn't been tried out before because other games have the same system. Battlefield, like Harline, used to have, like, what was that, a heist or something, where it's about collecting the most money. And whoever collects the most, of course, win. But it's the two teams. This is just based on the small teams in the same barrel format. And it's great. And I can tell you one thing. The map is amazing. It's a huge map, but it never feels overwhelming. Like some other Battle Royale uh, uh, maps, are, they're so big, so extensive, that you feel like you're walking for miles without really having connection with anyone. And uh, you feel like it's not, uh, as uh, I would say, as engaging as this is. But here, it just works better. It really does work better. Um, and uh, it feels engaging. It's fun. You can be there for hours and you don't see that the time passing by and you feel that you're accomplishing something and the map layout, it works so good. I can be honest with you. I wasn't a fan of ground war, which is the mode, the big mode that they introduced first with them when the game came out. I just not a fan. It's just not well organized. 
But in this case, for the way it plays out, because it's pretty much extensions of the same map, it's just a larger map now of ground war, many parts of ground war coming together. Um, now it just works so good. It just feels good and engaging. But the biggest part of it is the fact that now Call of Duty is pretty much going free to play with it, which is bringing so many people from all different backgrounds. You know, of course, you already have the cross-platform thing. So you have people from PC, people from the Xbox, the PS4 all coming together. And now with free to play, you have like a pool of people coming. It's an, it's an amazing experience. Definitely, I would say that Activision is doing something so important uh, really to keep this, I would say, the Battle Royale craze alive. But most importantly, to really kill the competition in one way. Now, of course, there's a lot of experimentation here. We don't know how it's going to unfold. We don't know if it's going to really kill or take the crown from PUBG or from Fortnite. But time will tell. And it's definitely a breath of fresh air that I feels very engaging. I'm really having a lot of fun with it. And, um, it's, it's, of course, it's a lot of things that we're going to see moving forward, how they can develop this, how can they grow this, how can they evolve the, the you know i would say the whole system but also the gameplay to keep people engaged and interesting and of course of course you know how can you bring uh, people from this uh, free to play into the main game because a lot of people are going to jump on that and of course get in the the hang of it of course and uh, you know the microtransaction system that they use which is different than it used to be where you get a lot of skins and something that a lot of, you know, in this case, uh, uh, Call of Duty is making a lot of money, particularly Modern Warfare, of course, because they got the season passes. And then, of course, you can purchase different, uh, you know, skins for your weapons, for your operator. All of that, of course, is going to be pouring into this. And that, I think that's where the money is going to be. But definitely, it's interesting to see this. Um, you know, you don't see me playing Fortnite. You don't see me playing uh, Apex Legends or any of those games. Uh, PUBG, you know, I've never felt the need for that. I, I, I even tried Blackout uh, with, in this case, uh, Black Ops um, 4, but uh, it didn't feel the need of it. I also did with uh, Firestone, Firestorm with um, uh, Battlefield 5, didn't care much about it. But this is different. The way they're approaching it, it's very interesting, very engaging, and I, only time can tell how things are going to evolve. But it's definitely definitely an interesting format, different setup. It's a different approach to it. And so far, I've seen a lot of people commenting, a lot of uh, online reviewers, a lot of people on the internet really commenting that they're really engaged with it, really happy with it, they really enjoy this. Of course, there's the fear that how what it's going to do because being free to play, you're gonna see a massive amount of PC players and primarily a lot of people that they don't care much about you know cheating. So it's gonna be a lot of cheaters and how Activision, how um, Infinity War is gonna be able to tackle all those things and maintaining that level of quality. Of course, you have a lot of people from all over the world, so you're gonna have a lot of situations where a lot of lag and things like that. So how can they do it? I experienced a little bit of lag at times. So definitely I feel that there's some things that need to be ironed out and um, only time will tell us how it's going to be approached. But so far, so good. And it's interesting to see the, it's going to be interesting to see the outcome. Now, talking about GameStop, it is clear, it's been clear for years now that um, GameStop is going downhill. It's been going downhill for, for quite some time. And uh, it's really hard to determine the, the reasons because there's so many reasons. First, the economy has changed. Um, the introduction, of course, of digital uh, into the gaming platforms, which is more prevalent now than ever. 
it's taken away all the opportunity for physical. And also the experience of many uh, customers with the company has not been as good or as great. Uh, and of course that has affected the company overall. So there's a lot of reasons why. Uh, and all those reasons combined had really affected the way they approach it. Of course, now GameStop for years, they've been trying to do, they purchased ThinkGeek, they purchased other companies, so they've been trying to do more like a all-out type of geek place where they have statues, figures, all sorts of things. So they've been experimenting with a lot of things. But not necessarily sticking with, uh, you know, or, or really increasing that main source of revenue has always been gaming. So they've been suffering, they've been losing a lot of money. I have talk about it many times here on this channel on my here in the podcast as well so it's something that it's definitely you can see the writing on the wall is the end is imminent but now of course that they bring in reggie fissime which was the uh, president of nintendo of america for for many years it's really creating uh i think it's bringing some hope at least for those defenders of gamestop and i consider uh, myself a defender of gamestop and the need for GameStop or a uh, brick and mortar place uh, for, you know, for in this case for games, uh, I do feel that it's an opportunity that, uh, you know, that can be used if it's done correctly, it can really save GameStop at least for a few more years. For this, I want to use as a reference, I'm going to an article online uh, through Venture Beat, which is a, a website that uh, concentrates on a lot of technology. And I'm going to have the link for those who are interested to read this article. And here it says that the, the title says, GameStop appoints Reggie Fissime to board of directors. So I'm going to read it. It says, Nintendo of America, former president and taker of names, is joining GameStop board of directors. The huge gaming retail company announced today that Reggie Fissime is joining its board to help turn the company around. Fissime is best known as his time as president of Nintendo of America when he was the face of the company of North America. Joining Fissime on the board is Bill Simon. Uh, he actually was the president of uh, Walmart, uh, among other things. And uh, J.K. Simonsick. Simon has worked 30 years in various executive roles in the retail industry. Simonsick is the president and chief executive of PetSmart. Uh, GameStop's goal is to have Fissime, Simon, and Simonsick provide expertise to help turn its struggling business back towards profitability. And it says, the gaming industry needs a healthy and vibrant GameStop, Fissime writes on Twitter. I look forward to being a part of GameStop, corporate's board, and helping to make this happen. GameStop sees this as a chance to bring in fresh ideas. The board refreshment and governance enhancements announced today represent an important milestone in GameStop's transformation as we continue to evolve the company business strategy for long-term success. GameStop Chief Executive George Sherman said they are each highly qualified and bring significant relevant experience to our turnaround. GameStop also told investors that four board members are leaving their duties on that body. Those included uh, De Matteo, Gerald uh, Sempanski, Larry Silavi, and Stephen Kunin. During their tenure, the company has made important progress executing on our objective of becoming a leading omni-channel retailer with top market share in the gaming category. GameStop Director Kathy Brabeck and we appreciate their thoughtful leadership, guidance, and service. Brabeck said that the current team is working to implement a strategy to return value to shareholders and the revised board of directors will have to ensure that remains true. Reggie is one of the most recognizable executives among gaming fans in the West. He first joined Nintendo in the early 2000s and he quickly took on the role of primary spokesperson. In February 2019, Fissime announced that he would leave Nintendo at the end of that fiscal year. 
On April 15, he celebrated the end of his tenure at the company. Since then, Fisher May has moved into the role of industry luminary. He commands a lucrative speaking fee for his appearances in various events, but he's also spending time in education. He regularly gives lectures at Cornell University as part of his Department of Communication. Now, Fisher May would also split some of his time helping to guide GameStop CEO in setting direction and vision for that company. GameStop is struggling as more people turn to digital purchases or free-to-play live service games. This has fewer customers returning to GameStop to browse its selection of new and used games. This has put the company in a crisis. GameStop stock traded as high as $56 at the start of the current generation of consoles. It closed at $3.7 on the New York Stock Exchange today. Well, it is clear that GameStop needs change, and uh, I think these are great additions uh, for the company in different areas. I think what Fissime brings to the table is that he knows how to connect with gamers, and he was the face of Nintendo in some of the most important areas and most important times for Nintendo in North America. The resurgence of Nintendo, you know, the Wii, the um, in this case the DS, through all of that, you know, the GameCube, all of that, he's been so involved in the process, and he's always been there. The Nintendo Switch at the beginning of it, so he is the face. Oh, he was the face of Nintendo. A lot of people felt the really the loss of him when he walked away from it. And I feel that if there's a person that understands the value of communication with customers, the value of connected with the gamers, it's Fisame. It's one of the, per- the few that knows, understands that pretty well. And I do believe that his addition to the team, as long as he's let loose in that sense to really you know, deal with the customers, deal with the, the consumers in the way he knows best in the communication aspect, I think this company has a future. At least there's an opportunity from that end. Now, Simon does bring a lot of understanding of the retail space. You know, Of course, knowing uh, Walmart and the way Walmart operates, which is the biggest retail uh, business in the world, I feel that they, they're, all, they're bringing all those expertise. Um, the same, the guy that was with PetSmart, PetSmart was going through struggles. PetSmart is surviving the struggles and being uh, mostly a, a, a they, they cater to a niche, which of course is pets uh, caring uh, business. So I feel that it's going in the right direction. They are pointing people that actually have experience and they have proven experience and the expertise to really pull the company out of their slumber, out of actually of dying bed. However, there's still a lot of unknowns because, of course, the industry has changed in so many ways so with digital media, with free-to-play services. So there's so many things that are, have changed, and uh, how can this company stay relevant? That's something that is, uh, we have to wait and see. Um, honestly, it's something that uh, doesn't really have a clear answer. It, it, it brings some hope. But as you, as you can see right there, the stock uh, market has really been affected when before, you know, uh, you know, in this case, the you know, share was like 50 some dollars and now it's only three dollars. It's just it's a big drop. It's a big difference. So definitely you need to bring that hope, not only for the consumers, but also for the shareholders at the end of the ones that are investing into the company. But of course, everything goes back into your business. If people are buying more. 
people more connected with your company, then of course that it strengthens their stock market, in this case your shares, and shareholders of course are happier and they're gonna invest more money into it, of course then you can go into different ventures. So uh, again, it's just a matter of time. Uh, for the time being, I'm hopeful for it because at the end of the day, we still need physical copies. Even though nowadays most of the machines are digital, everything that even when you buy a disk, it's downloaded pretty much to your disk. It doesn't download from the disk, it downloads from the cloud into your hard drive, and you still want to to have physical I think it's important to have that I would say physical interaction also to go into a store interacting with people there's something that you don't get in the online uh, retail market so I feel that there is hope in that sense well now let's get into the big news of the week which is the cancellation of e3 due to the coronavirus pandemic and I'm going to use a article uh, for a quick reference I'm here at Kotaku, and again, I'm going to have the link for those that are interested, and the title of this is E3 2020 Cancelled, and here it says, uh, the biggest trade show in video games skip in a year. E3 2020, which was planned to take place at the Los Angeles Convention Center this June, is canceled as a result of the COVID-19 coronavirus that is currently spreading across the globe, the organizers of the conference said today. After careful consultation with our member companies regarding the health and safety of everyone in our industry, our fans, our employees, our exhibitors, and our longtime E3 partners, we have made the difficult decision to cancel E3 2020. A scheduled for June 9 to June 11 in Los Angeles. The Entertainment Software Association, the video game lobbyist group that runs the trade show, said in a statement to press this morning. The ASA added that it will be looking to coordinate an online experience to showcase industry announcements and news in June 2020. Traditionally, E3 has two parts. During the first few days of the show, from Saturday through Monday, major video game publishers like Microsoft and Ubisoft hold press conferences to showcase trailers and to announce their latest games. While from Tuesday through Thursday, the show floor opens for business deals and video game demos. The first part will be far easier to replicate than the second. Microsoft has already announced an Xbox digital event for this year, as has Ubisoft. Now, this was a, a tweet from Phil Spencer, the president of Microsoft. Uh, E3 has always been an important moment for Team Xbox. Given this decision, this year we'll celebrate the next generation of gaming with the Xbox community and all who love to play via an Xbox digital event. Details on timing and more in the coming weeks. This year, a newcomer planned to enter the field. Warner Brothers Games was preparing to host an E3 press conference for the first time. According to three people familiar with the publisher's plan, there, Warner Brothers Games had planned to talk about a number of much-anticipated games, including a new Batman, a Harry Potter game that has leaked in 2018, and the next game for Arkham developers Rocksteady Studios. It remains to be seen whether Warner Brothers will instead hold its own digital event or do something else entirely. E3, which has been running in various forms since 1995, has been dealing with an existential crisis this year. After years of operating as an industry-only event, the show opened to the public in 2017, selling thousands of fans on the fantasy of getting to play games early. The ASA found itself entangled in conflicts with a number of parties, though, including Sony, which skipped E3 last year and planned to do the same in 2020, even before the coronavirus scare. Many pundits and observers have speculated that E3 needed some sort of revitalization to stay relevant in the digital era. 
It's been a bad year for the ASA. Last year, E3 leaked the personal information of thousands of journalists. Earlier this year, video game personality Jeff uh, Cayley announced that he would be skipping the show, where he has traditionally hosted an event called the E3 Coliseum, full of panels and interviews. And just last week, E3 creative director I Am 8-Bit also pulled out of the show for reasons that appear unrelated to the coronavirus. Now, it is really clear that uh, E3 is a big event, you know, and it's an important event uh, for the gaming industry, uh, also for fans like myself. Like uh, last year, I cover E3 events, and uh, we are always waiting for E3. Uh, fans are always expecting E3 because, of course, there's a lot of new revelations, new trailers, information of upcoming games, and people are really excited for those type of events. But it is clear that E3 has lost its power, at least... Um, you know, in recent years, you, you see that decline over and over since I would say since 2017, which was a big year. But then of those 2018, also big. Uh, but last year, you, you saw the decline um, because it's coming to a point where it's becoming such a big, uh, uh, I would say, organized event that it has lost some of that idea that originally had. We watched definitely just for game developers, for companies to showcase their stuff. It's a trade show. And then it became more like a fan out where people come in and go in, you know, kind of like Comic-Con in so many ways. And um, uh, it has lost some of that, you know, and of course it's costly for a lot of these companies. And Nintendo hasn't really been part of it. Nintendo's been doing their own thing and, you know, digital showcase and they, they showcase their own stuff digitally. So they really saved themselves a lot of money, a lot of headaches. And Sony decided to follow the same, uh, I would say, method last year. And they were planning to do it again. So you see a lot of people pulling out of it. They don't see the importance. But also you see other big events in the world that are growing. And although E3 is considered the biggest event, at least in this article, it's not the biggest event entirely just by numbers. You have to look at Gamescom in Cologne, Germany. That's the biggest event in the world right now. You have to see other events also in Brazil. Those are big events. They're growing in Asia. They're big events. Get big game trade shows and fans. So definitely E3, of course, is was one of the biggest in the country in the United States but not necessarily the biggest so of course this leaves a vacuum and a lot of people are speculating what the future will bring e3 needed a change definitely a different approach to it because it got became very commercialized uh, you know the companies were definitely showcasing their stuff but it was more like you know it was not as free-spirited like some events where actually people can really showcase how they feel about certain things um, it was more like a pretty much culture type of thing, you know, cultural event and people are showcasing there, you know, people, they just go there because it's the place to hang out, but not necessarily because they are really good news are important for the industry. Of course, you get the trailers and all of that. So definitely that it needed something refreshing and new. Now, it is sad because we need that. And it feels with all the coronavirus, what's happening right now, it's really affecting everything. It's not only affecting the gaming world. We have movies like, for example, like the newest James Bond movie that was supposed to come out, what, April or May or something like that. They push it back all the way to, um, you know, to November, which, you know, it's already a crowded market with movies, um, but they push it. Well, we wait, but actually November is a much better time, I suppose. It's always been the, the time for James Bond movies. So they decided to push it back. But, you know, there's other movies also. There are a lot of events. South by Southwest was canceled, uh, which was a big, it's always been a big event. And there's so many other events that, you know, they, we people are waiting. How it's going to affect movies. Mulan is coming out uh, pretty much at the beginning of next month. And a lot of people are scared of that as well. 
um, because of course the big the, the big market of what they were trying to accomplish was to really entice the Chinese market with of course this is based on a Chinese character. Uh, but how that's going to unfold, we don't know because of the, uh, the in this case, the coronavirus. And uh, but they didn't push it back. So a lot of movies are suffering. A lot of events are suffering. E3, you know, it's the casualty right now, the biggest casualty, and it's going to create a domino effect. You're going to see more events if we continue with this pandemic. If we continue with this care, and of course, the uh, government's taking action and cities and all of that states. Uh, so we're going to see uh, more of these events being canceled. So. A lot of people are scared for Andrew's case San Diego Comic Con because that's the biggest event that follows, you know, at least, you know, worldwide. But we don't know. Uh, time will tell. Now, it is kind of sad at the same time. Also gives time for companies to develop their ideas. Uh, many of the shows, many of the companies, they, they sold the show E3 more like a formality. So now this also gives them the excuse to not be part of the formality and try to start something fresh and new, maybe go on the digital route. However, you know, some people like to go and play the demos and we're not going to get to see that more. And uh, at least not for E3. But of course, not everyone gets to E3, just people that live in the, in the Los Angeles area or people, the, the journalists that go there and all that. So uh, it's going to affect people. It affects companies. It affects companies like IGN, GameStop, companies that actually dedicate that time and they make a lot of money. Uh, it's a time where a lot of channels, they do a lot of information, a lot of small channels, people go there to the event so they can cover the event. So it's going to affect them, it's going to affect them directly because they're the ones making money out of it, of the event. But now, of course, the companies don't have to invest on that. So it definitely affects, and the end affects the community because at the end of the day, gaming, it has become such a powerhouse in a way that it's controlled by these big companies. And you still want the voice of people like journalists, people like myself, I would say, or anybody on the internet that wants to really talk about these things from a personal point where you have no ties with these big companies. You're not paid, get paid to praise the games. Um, you just want to be honest about how you feel about them and your opinion. So, of course, when you don't have these events, there's no chance for you to be uh, natural about it. And, of course, it's going to affect the the small channels, the people that are the, they're trying to survive, the companies that actually their job is to really cover this news. So, uh, town can tell. Of course, the coronavirus is really affecting a lot of the, the world right now. And, of course, people are scared of it, and we should in some ways. At the same time, I feel that we should be careful not to fall prey of the, I would say, of the fear-mongering uh, of the fear attitude that people have that everybody's running and buying toilet paper and all sort of things and kind of living this is scarcity even for toilet paper. You know, there's so many jokes and memes right now because of it, because people are, you know, treating this like they're drugs. And it's funny. It's funny because it's true. You know, it's like, you know, it's not, you know, to survive. You don't need toilet paper to survive, to be honest with you. You know, you don't. But it is what it is. We live in a crazy world and some people kind of laugh at us in other parts of the world because we just running amok just because it's things like this. Of course, I'm not saying that coronavirus is not, you know, it's not a real threat uh, for, you know, health reasons, you know, for the health of our communities. But at the same time, you know, when you look at numbers, people are dying for other causes more than they're doing for this virus. So it's important not to feel... I would say threatened by it because there's a lot of reasons why people can die, you know, and people are dying. The mortality rate is higher for people who have obesity, uh, other illness, the, the regular flu is higher than coronavirus. And of course, we need to be treated with respect. Of course, we have to be careful. You know, you have to wash your hands. You need to, you know, 
to have healthy habits, you know, like something that we need to address, you know, and, you know, how people cannot do those things. I don't understand. But we have to do that. For example, right now, as we are in the middle of allergy season, you know, I suffer allergies. Just because I get allergies doesn't mean there's a coronavirus. You know, we all have viruses. This is the time of the year. Um, I get sick like that every year, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to be afraid. So, oh, the coronavirus just hit me and I'm going to the hospital now for that and pay thousands of dollars just for, for just antibiotics. You know, like, no, you know, it's just, it's just the way it is. We have to realize that it's just the way we live, how we take care of things, wash our hands, use antibacterial, all sorts of things in the place of employment. When we go out, you know, like I'm going on a trip at the end of this year, uh, this month, I'm sorry. I'm not going to be scared about it. You know, I'm just going to do what I need to do normally and, you know, just be more careful about certain things. And that's about it. That's all you can do. But definitely this is really causing a really a chaos for us in the entertainment world. And it's kind of sad, but at the same time, it's important. And it's also given the opportunities for a lot of these companies and events to rethink their strategy, particularly where they're dying out. In this case, like E3, it's suffering, even though it's, it's popular, but not necessarily um, uh, as, as popular as it used to be or as refreshing as it used to be. So this gives them the opportunity to rethink, to strategize. So maybe next year, you know, can be a much better experience and uh, definitely a comeback for E3 and for other events also that have been canceled. But of course, only time can tell. But what is your opinion? What do you think? What do you think about coronavirus? Are you scared of it? Are you afraid of it? Um, are you taking measures? Uh, let me know what type of measures are you, your community is taking on that, your country. I would like to hear it. What do you think about E3? Are you disappointed? Are you okay with it? You don't care about it? Uh, what do you think about Reggie now being part of GameStop? Do you think that's going to save GameStop? And have you played uh, Modern Warfare? Let me know. Uh, Warzone. Let me know in the comments below uh, if you're watching this on YouTube. And if you follow me or you're listening to the podcast, just come to Facebook. Come to Twitter. Let me know. All the links are in the description. So, my friends, I want to say thank you very much for your time. God bless you. Have a great week. Stay safe. And I'll talk to you again next week. Bye-bye.